The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in beautiful Burlington. Don't let the name fool you. Crosswinds is a public golf course just 45 minutes from downtown Toronto, and it's fantastic. And it'll cost you about half as much as one of those Toronto public courses, and it's, and it's twice as good. Believe me. Nestled between Rattlesnake Point and Mount Nemo, Crosswinds offers beautiful views of the Niagara Escarpment and 18 holes of championship golf, and their banquet facilities are second to none. Perfect for your wedding or other special events. Book your tee time online by going to crosswindsgolf.com and see what they have to offer. All kinds of fall specials. Great place to play golf. And when you get there, tell them Hebsey sent you. I mean, it can't hurt. And you know what? <laughs> they might, I don't know, they might, uh, they might treat you even better than they would normally. Nice. No guarantees, but it could happen. All right, let's start the podcast. And welcome to Hebsey on Sports episode number. Jim Brown, Sandy Koufax, Magic Johnson, Carl Malone, Dale Hunter, and Steve Stumpy Thomas. I'm your host, Mark Hebsey Hebsher, alongside Toronto Mike. And today on the show, I'm still mad at Serena Williams for the way she treated Bianca Andrescu and the Canadian tennis fans. Bianca beat her when she withdrew from the Rogers Cup after four frickin' games. And then Bianca beat her fair and square to win the U.S. Open on Saturday. And Serena still refuses to acknowledge her opponent. By the way, how tough is it to say Andres Q? Yet another announcer botched the name, this one from Good Morning America on ABC. The day after she won it. Andres Q! And Andres Q? Are you kidding me? And if you missed the men's final yesterday, you missed a dandy, a barn burner, a seat squirmer between Rafael Nadal and Daniil Medvedev. Rafa just one major victory away from tying Roger Federer with 20 um, major victories in tennis. The NFL season began. It actually began Thursday. But yesterday, the Buffalo Bills pulled one out of the hat. Hey, Ruck, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Against the Jets. The J-E-T-S Jets. It was fabulous. The Blue Jays have lost seven games in a row on the road, actually six in a row on the road and one at home, and cracks are starting to show in some of the younger players. We'll have that story as well as a great golf story to tell you and plenty more, but first some business to take care of on the social media front. Mike, as you know, uh, I've been, you and I have been followers of BB Andrescu, Bianca Andrescu, since, since they were calling her Andrescu. <laughs> Since the days of, who is this girl again? And what, Auckland, New Zealand. She's, oh, what? Huh? 152nd in the world to start the year. And we were like, I was like watching the matches on DAZN because there is no WTA coverage in Canada because no one owns the rights to the Women's Tennis Association. Right, well, DAZN owns the rights. DAZN owns them, but, but there's no broadcaster, no carrier in Canada, with the exception of the majors, and the Rogers Cup, which, of course, is, is broadcast by Rogers. Right. So all these other events, like Indian Wells and some of the other ones, are not broadcast in Canada on regular television. You've got a... And you can't even... Not even a subscription service except for DAZN, which is a streaming service. So I don't want to, you know, blow my own horn, but hey, I've been following her since... You know, not since she was a junior, but certainly since she um, played very well. It, in, which was in, only like nine months ago. Yeah, that's right, too. It's funny. <laughs> talk huh? like that was nine years. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, you know, talk about a meteoric rise. Yeah, for sure. But so anyway, um, yeah, um, there are people out there uh, that watch this show, listen to this show, that when I predicted on social media that Andrescu would hammer Serena in the files and think I, I, I think I said something like looking forward to watching Bianca hammer, clobber Serena in the finals. Which was a bold prediction. To make up for the fact that she 
could have and would have hammered her at the final of the Rogers Cup had Serena allowed herself to be hammered, but instead Serena decided to withdraw. And I was there that day, and I wanted to see the final, and I wanted to see Bianca Andreescu win at match point, and the entire place explode, and maybe everybody in Canada go, hey, this is great on national television in Canada, beating Serena, the GOAT, the whole deal like that, but it never happened that way, and I'm pissed off. I was pissed off at Serena then. I'm pissed off at her now because she took away a moment that would have been similar to the moment, similar to the moment when she won the Grand Slam. Think about this. When Bianca won, not the Grand Slam, the U.S. Open, when Bianca won it, she won it in New York. They gave her a nice round of applause, but she knew that everybody was rooting for Serena, except for the you know couple hundred Canadians that were there. Right. But imagine what it would have been like at the National Tennis Center in Toronto in front of a packed crowd of partisan Canadians. I don't think you would have had too many people rooting for Serena watching that match live and what it would have been like to win it here and then be paraded around the city of Toronto or Mississauga and all that kind of thing. So instead of trying to compare it to the U.S. Open, which was tremendous, and it is the U.S. Open, let's face it, to not have that opportunity, to have that taken away from you by Serena withdrawing and saying, oh, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of winning it at match point and shaking my hand at the net uh, and at the whole championship. Instead, it's I'm going to give it to you you know, it's going to be a hollow victory. It is going to be an official victory. You're going to get the money for the victory, but you're not going to be able to rejoice and be embraced by Canadian tennis fans the same way you would had you actually won it at match point, the thrill of hitting the winner, right? And then the crowd exploding and just all of that. And I missed it. I was there, but it lasted four games. Right. And I'm still pissed at Serena for that. So anyway, I go on um, social media. And I say, I'm looking forward to seeing Andrescu hammer Serena in the finals. And it's the reason I said that is because I know what I'm talking about. I, I know what I'm talking. I was there. She would have won that day against uh, Serena. She would have beaten. Oh, but Serena had a bad back, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. Anyway, some of you think you know what you're talking about. And some of you decided to take me on on <laughs> social media. Now, when I, when I post something like this, I'm not looking for someone to go, you're out of your mind, Hampshire. What are you talking about? It's going to be Serena. But there are people that are like that. They, they look at a posting and they say, oh, no, I got to I, I gotta get back at him. I got to give him my two cents. And that's fine. You can say, I disagree with you, Mark. I think Serena's the better player. Her back is fine. She's playing great. Da, 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 da. But, you know, you don't have to, like, twist the knife in. You don't have to come out. I'll make you a bet. You know what you're talking about. Who was twisting the knife? What's going on here? From Brian Gerstein on Facebook. Quote, Mark, if you think that Bianca will hammer Serena, then I am not sure that you have actually been watching actual matches and analyze them objectively. I was there in person to see Serena annihilate Wang and Bianca beat Townsend, plus catch what I could of the other matches, including both semifinals. This is not the same Serena from Toronto with back spasms. This is a Serena playing some of the best tennis of her entire career. Bianca needs a game plan to get Serena out of her comfort zone. But even so, it's going to be a tall task. Happy to make a friendly beer wager with you. I can have Serena. You can have Bianca. Now, I didn't respond. So you didn't uh, take no, him up on the beer wager? No, no, no. I didn't respond because I don't need to because I'm confident in mine. And I didn't ask for, you want to make a bet? You want to think I'm crazy? You don't think that I've analyzed the matches objectively? That's up to you. Of course, you're the expert, right? Not me. But you did but. seem to be taking the uh, Serena withdrawal from the Rogers Cup. You took it awfully personally. Like I did. You, you did let a little bit of your oh, personal oh, emotion Oh, no, I did. Play. I did. Because if you recall the previous year at the uh, U.S. Open, she ruined it for Natalie Osaka. She yep. made her cry. 
made her cry and made her feel bad. Again, everyone that wins the U.S. Open against Serena feels bad. They're like, they're, they're forced, oh, yeah, I feel bad. Bianca, oh, I feel bad that I had to win in front of you. You know, it's a very Canadian thing to do for Bianca, but for, for Osaka last year to say, I, you know, I really, I know you guys were all rooting for Serena and I'm sorry that I won. That's bullshit. I hate that. Apologizing for beating someone on their home court. What is that? Like, I mean, I just, it, it makes no sense to me at all. So yeah, I, there was a personal thing because I thought Serena could have kept playing at the Rogers Cup. I think she could have taken a medical timeout. She could have come back and gritted her teeth because that's what Bianca would have done. Bianca wouldn't have withdrawn. She would have said, no, no, let's go. I'm going to go as much as I can. And Federer and Nadal and all these guys, they would have done the same thing in the final. They would have gutted it out, taken the five-minute medical, tried their best. But Serena cried, and oh, I'm sorry, and all that nonsense. Serena had her sights set on this U.S. Open, clearly. She yeah. was like, I'm and, not going to risk the, anything. Isn't that the irony of it? The irony yeah. was she withdraws at the Rogers Cup and withdraws from Cincinnati so she can be in the best shape of her life at the U.S. Open so she can beat uh, Bianca. And she still can't beat Bianca! She's even after all of that, she still couldn't beat Bianca. Not even close. Not even close. This from Frank Piantech on Facebook. Mark, are you drunk? <laughs> Took a golf ball to the noggin at crosswinds? <laughs> Shameless plug. I'm so disappointed. Although you may just be stirring the pot for controversy, ha ha ha. Serena will hand her her dinner. Wow. She won't be embarrassed twice in a row. True sportscaster. So I don't understand this. Wow. Now people are picking on me, saying, you know. What am I crazy? Like for, in other words, it's like, Mark, are you nuts? Bianca hasn't done anything. She hasn't beaten anybody. What makes you think she's going to beat Serena at the U.S. Open? Duh. Do you don't, you don't remember how well she played at the Rogers Cup? You didn't recall what she did uh, leading up to the final here at the U.S. Open? What are you kidding me? Undefeated against top 10 players in 2019, Eight and oh against top 10 players. Hasn't lost a completed match since March. Since she lost to Sophia Cannon in the semifinals at Acapulco in March. Wow. Has not lost a completed match since March. Think about that. And I've got the unmitigated gall, the audacity to choose to pick her to beat Serena, the great Serena Williams at the U.S. Open. Oh, my God. Are you out of your mind? Who do you think you're talking to? Come are on. you drunk was the first question. Yeah, are you, were you drunk or were you sober when you made this uh, bold prediction? I was stoned media? a little bit, but so what? <laughs> so the great Serena Williams, who pulled out of the Rogers Cup so she could be ready for the U.S. Open and cost Bianca a chance to win fair and square in front of her hometown fans, said this after being beaten in straight sets by Bianca. Quote, I love Bianca and she's a great girl, but I think this is the worst match I've played all Folks, there it is in a nutshell. It's always about Serena. She never ever gives credit to her opponent? Never. And, you know, I kept thinking about the Rogers Cup and how we all got gypped. Everybody got gypped. Everyone who was there in person, everyone who watched it on TV. We could have been and should have been witness to history. We were denied that opportunity, and so was Bianca. I would have loved to have been able to see Bianca beat Serena in person, see them shake hands at the net, see the joy and the exhilaration in Bianca's face as the crowd exploded with glee on match point, and those watching on TV could have lived vicariously through those of us who were actually at the event, but no. No, four games in. That's it for me. <clears throat> I quit. I want to save my back for the U.S. Open because I want to win my 24th major in time, Margaret Court. Guess what, Serena? <clears throat> Backfired on you. Revenge is a dish best served cold. I'm telling you, Canadians, except for maybe those who were at that, uh, what's it called again where they play the Rogers Cup, the tennis? What's the, that? Aviva Tennis Center. Okay. Unless you were inside that building like you were. Which I was. Yeah. Right, like you were. And if you weren't inside the building, you would make this trade every day of the week. We got to see Bianca beat Serena and win the U.S. Open. Right. 
that's a grand slam. That's never happened in the, the right. history of tennis that right. a Canadian did that. That's amazing. Right. But to win on home soil, I don't care what, listen, when I think you might be over. Like, the I'm not, I was there. The home. stadium was, I, I was there. I was there when they came out for the announcement, the place was buzzing there. I had never felt anything like that since I'm going to tell you since, since, um, the 87 Canada Cup. Wow. Like where they came out for oh. the final game, uh, Canada, Russia, and everyone was okay. like, oh my God, this is okay. the final. This is it. This is the final game. Right. This is it. Canada, Russia. This was, you know, Bianca. This was the Canadian versus the American. All the, you know, the youngster against the veteran. The whole, it was David and Goliath. It was the whole thing. And everyone was waiting like with bated breath and it never came to fruition. It was... I mean, you know, there's a sexual term that I could, you know, <laughs> give you that it would be the equivalent of. Like, right. oh, my God. You know, it was just, you know, oh, my God. So um, it seems that a lot of people out there, a lot of professional network broadcasters, well-paid professional network broadcasters, can't seem to wrap their heads around the fact that if you mispronounce the name of someone, especially someone who's fairly well-known, you should be called up on the carpet you should be taken to task i'm pretty good at that you know me mike i'm kind of a stickler for like little things like pronouncing names right if you're broadcasting right little things like spelling the names correctly uh if you're writing something you know st like stuff like that and i don't think that that's too much of a stretch i don't think that i'm being too picky when i say that a network announcer should get the name gael monfils correct or that a u.s network announcer on abc's good morning america should be able to say Bianca Andrescu as opposed to Bianca Andrescu mm. the day after she wins the U.S. Open over Serena Williams. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. So, so anyway, this journalist, this journalist, her name, name is yeah Stephanie Ramos. So yesterday, so on Sunday, I got to tell you, on Sundays, I like watching the U.S. Network uh, magazine shows. Good Morning America on the weekends, the Today Show on the weekends with Willie Geist. He's great. And um, CBS uh, Sunday Morning with Jane Pauley. Fantastic shows. Really well done. Magazine type shows. But anyway, so I'm watching Good Morning America. That's big show, man. Big, big show. It's not the Michael Strahan one during the week. Is he still on that show? I think so. Anyway, so it's the weekend, but still, it's the same, you know, big name people. David Muir and stuff like that. Let's go to veteran journalist Stephanie Ramos with the report on the U.S. Open yesterday. And six times she goes, Bianca Andreescu. Now she just won the U.S. Open. If she would have been watching any of the U.S. Open, she would have heard the announcers say Andrescu. But no, she looks at the spelling of it, doesn't ask someone, and calls her Bianca Andrescu. Now, that's a lack of respect, number one. All right? It's laziness, number two. And it's anti-Canadian, as some people might say. Because had this girl been American, oh, I guarantee you they would have gotten the pronunciation correct. If Bianca Andrescu was from New York or from Arizona, guaranteed they get the pronunciation right. But she's a Canadian girl, you know, by way of Romania. So, so it's Andrescu. What do you mean by way of Romania? <clears throat> she's born in Canada. Born in Canada, but her name is like, her name is Romanian, right? You know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, your name is an Anglophone name. I hear you. You're you know saying, saying she's not from like the British Isles or like. It's right. Like, so her you know, name is Watson a, her name that. would be the type of, if you spoke, you say, well, where are you from? Where, where's your family from? Right. If your name was Smith, they wouldn't say, hey, where's your family from? Right. They know. I hear you. So, um. <laughs> Anyway, they, she blew it. So anyway, I've, uh, I, you know, I, I took to Twitter. I found her account. I tweeted to her that she had mispronounced the last name of the winner of the U.S. Open. And could she kindly correct it? And, you know, signed all of Canada. Like, because we would like for you to acknowledge the fact that the U.S. Open champion, uh, that her name is Bianca Andrescu. 
We'd like that. Any yeah. reply? No reply. <laughs> Can I ask about the match? So, you, of course, we all watched that match. It was amazing. But were you in the second set? Yeah. When uh, Serena makes that run, she won four games in a row. I think she was. Yeah, uh, uh, Bianca was, was up uh, five two. Five one. So, I th- was it no five, four one? one and five two. Okay, but it closed up to five five. Did you have any doubts at that moment? Like, did you have a no, moment here, of like, wait a minute, this here, might be slipping away? Here's what I said. I said, if Serena keeps missing on her first serve, Bianca's going to break back and win. And that's exactly what happened. Because what happens in tennis is, when you get to that, the pressure is always on the server. Right? <clears throat> yeah. Bianca had two chances to close it out and couldn't do it on her serve. And then when the time came for Serena, okay, who would come back to 5-5, uh, um, when the time came for Serena at 5-6 to serve, the pressure was all on Serena to hold serve to make it 6-6. And I said, this is where Bianca's going to come through. And she did. Yeah. She played a great game, and she took advantage of the fact that Serena, her first serve wasn't working well. So she won 7-5 because she broke Serena after being broken twice, after her br- breaking Serena. I mean, there a were, lot of I, breaks in that I believe there were five service breaks in total in the second set. Yeah. And the final one gave, um, gave Bianca the championship. Exciting. Eh? That was. I just want to say. I know we're going to yeah. get into like talking about where this ranks and stuff, but uh, that yeah. was quite. That was quite the moment for Canadian sports. Uh, it was great, amazing. And, and again, I can't make a comparison. But had she been able to win at the Rogers, I, I would have loved to have been there, and I would love to have seen what the response would have been the day after and everything like that with her being paraded around as the champion that actually beat Serena versus the the woman who was 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 handed sort of handed the title because Serena withdrew or retired or whatever. I think other than the diehard tennis fans like yourself. Well, a lot of people were watching that though, Mike. Uh, yes, a lot of people watched it. But I think the sense is, at least maybe I'm wrong, tell me, that the best players in the world don't always come to the Rogers Cup, but they, but they were healthy, there. they come right. to the Grand True, Slam. But they were there and it was Serena. It, it was, was, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was Serena in the final and Serena. Anyway, yeah. so where does Bianca go next? Will she throw out the first pitch at a Jays game? Jays are playing Slam Boston, dunk, yeah, for Boston sure. this week and the Yankees this weekend. Done. She's, she wants to come home. She's like, you know, not that she's tired of New York already. She wants to come home. She wants to feel the love and the vibe in Canada. I love that. Right. Uh, will there be some kind of parade for her in Mississauga or Toronto or Thornhill, where apparently she lives? Because it says on the WTA, it says um, birthplace, Mississauga, Ontario, residence, Thornhill, Ontario. So would they have a parade in Thornhill? Would they have one in Mississauga? Would they have one in Toronto? Well, Toronto's no trying to steal, but Tor- John Tory, the mayor of Toronto, and Bonnie Crombie, the mayor of Mississauga, are kind of not battling to see like who who gets who gets to own her. Oh, right. she's from Toronto. Now she's from the GTH. Oh, she's from Mississauga. So, what, if you had a parade, where in Mississauga would you have the parade? Celebration Square. <clears throat> You don't have a parade. No parade. When the Argos won the Great Cup a couple years back, there was no parade. There was a rally, oh. okay, at Nathan Phillips Square. What will happen, I don't know this for fact, this right. is my guess, is they'll have some kind of a rally mm. at Celebration Square in Mississauga, which is right by Square One, right by that yeah. Mississauga right City downtown Hall. Downtown Mississauga, Pretty yeah. much. Burnham Thorpe and here, Ontario, yeah, right? Yeah, They're going to have some you, kind you know, of most rally. Most people have and, no uh, idea where Burnham Thorpe and here, Ontario is. I bet you most people listening to us right now know They have where, no idea. No. They, no, I, no, I disagree. I'll bet you a beer on that one. You think most people listening to this show know where Burnham Thorpe and Huron, Ontario is yes, in Mississauga? Yes, because this is a Toronto-centric show. Come on, folks, story. let us know. This is a Toronto-centric show. So That's most not a Mississauga-centric show. But Torontonians know uh, Mississauga. I'm a born and raised Torontonian. I don't know where it is. I know where it is, kind of, but I couldn't. I, 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 I you couldn't, don't know where Square One is. I know. I do, and I don't. I, I would have to get to actual directions. Do you know what I mean? I know. I, I know. Miss, I know. Here, Ontario is Highway 10. Yes. Right. I know that Burnham Thorpe runs east-west. South of Bloor and north of Dundas, but not out there. I feel like it's definitely north of Dundas, but it's also it's north, north of, of the QEW. It's way north of the QEW. And yeah. south of the 401. 
Yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, Celebration Square. Will they name a street after Bianca Andrescu? Like, for example, Bianca Boulevard, Andrescu Avenue. And would they, and would they have a song? Because she's now the U.S. Open champion, so there's got to be a song about Bianca. Somebody's got to come up with a tune the way they do when the Leafs are run making a playoff run <laughs> or the Raptors won uh, the NBA championship. There's got to be, someone's going to come, some songwriter, somebody's going to come up with a song. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. you could do a song like um, Andrescu Avenue, sung to the tune of Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. You know, we got to rock down to Andrescu Avenue. Eddie Grant, love it. Wouldn't that be good? Andrescu Avenue. By the way, six points. Do you know where six points is? Six points, if I'm not mistaken, is near the Kipling subway station? Yeah, very good. Okay. So they have a new development. They've redone how Dundas and uh, okay. Kipling kind of cross or whatever. So there's new streets. Yes. Like there's a lot. There's gonna, they have two new streets. They're short, but they yeah. need names. It's a natural to name one of them oh, uh, Andrescu yeah. Avenue. Only if there are tennis courts on that street. Oh, I don't no, think I'm, it's big enough. No, I, I, because you've got to have, I mean, there's gotta be, it's got to be Andrescu Avenue leading to the Bianca uh, courts or something like that. Right. I mean, because what she apparently is going to do for tennis... Like the day after, I'm out and I noticed that all the tennis courts are busy. Now, would they have been busy had she not won the U.S. Open? I don't know, but they were busy. When Milos made the final of Wimbledon, it wasn't that sufficient to get uh, Canadians to pick up a racket. And uh, I feel like or Genie Genie in the final. Yeah, Genie's made a final. This is only the second woman Canadian singles player to make a Grand Slam final. Well, she she won it, so forget the uh, the making it. But was there a surge of interest in tennis when that happened? 2014? I didn't notice it. Okay, so will we notice it or are people just speculating that tennis, now everybody, now everyone's going to run and get their kids tennis rackets and get them into tennis camp. I'm glad we're having this conversation. I find tennis to be a bit strange. A lot of people are trying to compare this, for example, and Uh we're going to get to this, but people are comparing this to the Raptors championship. I'm unable to compare a club team's run to a individual Canadian. Yes. I, I feel like you need two categories. I can't even put them together. They're so entirely different. Okay, so why don't I ask you this? Okay. And the viewers, listeners. By the way, for those of you watching on Periscope, thank you. And those of you listening to the podcast, you could watch us if you wanted to. Periscope.tv slash Um, Where does Bianca's win rank in the list of great Canadian Sporting moments. Now, this is different from Toronto sporting moments, but since you mentioned mentioned the Raptors, we have to take all of Canada into consideration because they are Canada's team. The Blue Jays, 92 and 93 World Series victories, we have to take all of Canada into that. So even if you're a Torontonian and you follow Toronto sports teams, it's more of a, it's a national kind of a thing. So Paul Henderson's goal in 1972 and the the victory, our victory over the Russians in 72. Because it transcended sports. Okay. The Raptors in 2019. Well, that's an easy one. That's a big one. Mike Weir winning the Masters in 2003. So you got to take your back yourself back to 2003. How popular was golf? Tiger had been on the scene for a few years. You know, what's bigger, Weir winning the Masters or what just happened with? Well, wait Andres. a second. Oh, I'm sorry. giving you a list of events. And I'm you, so excited. I'm sorry. Right? Donovan Bailey becoming the world's fastest man in 2000. Was it 2000? 96. Oh, 96 at and Atlanta. Winning right? the gold medal at the Olympics <clears throat> in the premier event. That's massive. Yes, that's a big one. And that's different from winning a gold medal in anything else, right. except for 2010 when we won the golden goal uh, with Sidney Crosby winning the Olympics there. That's now, a big one, too. Now, the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake City, we won as well, but was the Sidney Crosby golden goal better because it was a golden goal? And again, you like against it when the you United do it in, States. at home. Also, there's that element of... The element of home as well. We hosted uh, We mentioned the Jays in 92, 93. I mentioned Mary Lemieux scoring for Canada versus Russia in 87. If but it wasn't Russia. It was Czech. It was uh, Czechoslovakia. Right? No, right? No. <laughs> I remember it at Cops Coliseum. No. 
Is this a different? This is the semifinals. Can you help me out where no, I'm at? The '87, here? the final was the best of three. All three games were six-five final scores. It was Canada Russia. Uh, oh. The the game against Czechoslovakia you're thinking of is the '76 Canada Cup. Daryl Sittler down the left wing fakes the slap shot, brings the goalie way out of his crease, goes around him, scores Maple Leaf Gardens. That's '76. This is '87. Canada Russia, the Canada Cup. The final, best of three. But it was Cops Coliseum, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. so there's that you one. You mentioned Montreal, which okay. Mike doesn't really remember, but well, that's okay. I, I but again, but that was a big it. deal because it was again, it was Canada Russia. Uh, any Olympic gold medal won by someone other than Donovan Bailey in the Olympics? Would anything? Is there any gold medal that you you know? Hey, that was a great gymnastics or figure skating or synchronized swimming or any not other top, event? Not top ten. Not not compared to the hundred meter. No. Okay. Or or the hockey gold. The nope. team things. That's right. the Olympics. It's the big stage. Right. Um, so, yeah, you get to vote, I guess. But can, if you took the individual performances into their own category. Yes. Okay. Because so, it's hard to compare yes. the uh, Canada Cup win. So if you just go by individual performances, yes. the way I have it ranked right, right now, which might be subject to change right mm-hmm. now. Number one, I put Bailey's 100-meter gold at Atlanta. That's the, the, that's the big event. The whole world watching. Yeah. Fastest man in the world. Yeah. Second. Yeah. Also, that one gets the Ben Johnson monkey off the back. I think that oh, was wait. huge for this oh, country. Oh, you, you know what? It's funny you mention that. I would have said Ben Johnson number one. Prior, I, prior to I being disqualified. To no, but prior to being disqualified, that moment, the moment that he won it, the moment Agreed. in 88. Agreed. This but, country went nuts. Right, but how do you, pre- we all know what happens the next day. It right, feels right, like right. It, but at that time, yeah. at the time. Right. Okay, that then was, I, yeah, it I'm was remarkable. And he had I, that finger in the air, number one. It was 979. He nine, looked seven, like he nine. could have ran 969. Looked if he like didn't put the hand But I'll there. tell you the best part of it was it was, fr- it was a Friday night in Toronto. And uh, normally I was working sports line with Jim Taddy. This was 1988. Yep. And I, I had the night off that night. I took the night off for whatever reason it was. Right. I, and I can't remember what it was. And I'm in a bar and I'm watching it. And it happened right at the time that Sportsline was on the air. It was like 1130 at night. Right. I'm thinking, geez, I would have hate to have been on the air. No, who the heck's going to be watching Sportsline? Everybody in the world, certainly everyone in Canada, yep. is watching that 100 meters yes. with Ben Johnson. Unbelievable. That was a moment. spectacular moment. Spectacular. Yes, I just, I disqualified it from my, my list. But so, so, what would quick, it be, so what so, would yours be? Number, so number one's Bailey. Number two, I'm yeah. going to put, because I like tennis a lot more than golf, I'm yeah. putting Bianca's win at the U.S. Open. And number three, right. I'm giving it to Mike Weir winning the Masters. Right. Now, see, again, if Mike, if, if, if the Masters took place today in 2019 and Bianca's win in the U.S. Open was back in 2003, I don't know. They're very close. I don't know, but let's put it this way. The U.S. Open yeah. in tennis and the Masters in golf are, are pretty similar. Very similar. Although, to, 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 win, you, to, win, to win that turn, the difference is this. Yeah. Is Mike Weir didn't beat Tiger Woods in the final. He beat the golf course and a bunch of other guys. Right. Len Matias. Right. That's the difference. The difference is golf is completely an individual sport, but you're not taking on an opponent necessarily. In tennis, it's head-to-head. It's you versus me. All right? One of us is going to win that match. And the fact that she took on Serena, the GOAT, I, I do believe that that makes it... It's a, that helped gr- me it's give a greater it achievement. Yeah, it's a greater achievement, right? And n- not to take anything away from Mike Weir's Masters victory. Right. But, but that was quite the achievement. But they're and both neck 19, and neck. And, she's uh, not, hey, she's 19. I know. Everyone. If she would have melted, not one person would have gone, oh, what a bum. They would have gone, she's 19 years old. She's never been on this stage before. Totally... Uh, totally acceptable, understandable right. in New York, hostile crowd, couldn't hear herself think. I mean, you could check all the boxes. We said the same thing about the Raptors, Hebsey. We said the exact same right. thing. That's right. It's if, what it was right. like. We made our first finals. Bianca, we, Bianca was the Raptors. 
Bianca was like the uh, like Kawhi Leonard uh, channeled her inner Kawhi Leonard. Exactly. Against Serena. Now she's off to play for the Clippers. That was a good one too. (laughs) I can't take credit for that. All right. Um, The other men's final. The men's final actually. What's your okay? Did you finish your ranking? Because I know people would care much more about Hebsey's ranking of Canadian individual performances. I agree. I agree with Donovan. I'm trying to. I'm putting myself in in all of these situations. Where was I? How old was I at the time? What was the situation? I was I was uh, I was 16 years old when Paul Henderson scored the winning goal. I was in high school. We got the afternoon off. Anyone who's from that vintage knows the story. You're you're in the high school cafeteria. You're going wild. It's the Russians. Those big bad Russians. Right. It was geopolitical. It not was just everything, sport. man. It was like the passion was. You know, we hated the Russians. Hated the Russians, and loved Canada. We didn't. I don't. In fact, Canadians. I don't think Canadians knew how much they loved their country until that very day that we beat the Russians. Right. I don't believe that all of us would get together and go, we love our country and we'll do anything. But that brought the country together. That whole series brought the country together because people booed Team Canada when they were in Vancouver. Right. Phil Esposito made an impassioned speech. So the lead up to that victory, the lead up was intense. The lead up to Bianca Andreescu's win, you can't come make a comparison. It's not the same at all. It was very, very exciting. Now here's a curveball and I, yeah. I don't, it doesn't count for me yeah. because it's not a competition. But uh, Terry Fox... Uh, what he did and yeah. what what that did? No, not even close. Well, I, I interviewed, I'm not counting it, but it is something. It's to, a great, it's like a tremendous a, achievement. A, oh, for sure, man! I remember interviewing him when I was in Montreal. I interviewed Terry Fox. Oh, wow. Super nice guy, great guy. He had started in Newfoundland, dipped his toe into the Atlantic, yeah. and uh, you know had come through Quebec. And I'm thinking it was in, I'm going to say it was in May or June of 1980 that we got to interview him on our morning show on uh, FM 96 in Montreal. Super nice guy. We wished him the best. And and then of course, by the time he got to Thunder Bay, Ontario, the cancer had come back had spread uh, to his lungs and he couldn't go on anymore, but that was a great story. And that was an inspirational story. And, 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 you know, you were in, you were in BC, you touched the statue. Yeah. Victoria. You were in Victoria and you, I mean, you know, that's, and that, that legacy will go on forever. Bianca Andreescu's legacy will not last as long as Terry Fox's. It can't because at some point someone will come along uh, years from now and duplicate right. that feat, another female or male or someone younger, whatever the case is. Right. But for now, and because it's fresh, yeah, right? And she beat Serena in New York, right? In the lion's den or whatever you want to call it. That's an amazing achievement. I mean, you're going to look back and you're going to put all those things together and you're going to say, did I ever tell you about the time that this girl had just turned 19? Yeah. Took on the greatest of all time, slayed the dragon in the dragon's den. Da, 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 and they'll da, say that was her first of 16 Grand Slam yeah, titles. Yeah. Now, began. now, having said that, when Jeannie Bouchard made the Wimbledon finals, and I'll never forget this, my buddy Bubba O'Neill, who I was co-hosting on Sportsline, uh, right. another TV station at the time, said, this is going to be the first of many championships. And I said, wait, she hasn't won any yet. And already you're giving her multiple majors? And he couldn't believe that I was against. It's not that I was against Jeannie Bouchard. It's just that I didn't. I, I, she You're from Missouri. She you, had played well. State. She yeah. had played well, but she didn't. She wasn't. Didn't knock off like she wasn't eight zero against top ten players and stuff like that. But anyway, so to me, um, the Paul Henderson goal was massive, uh, huge. That's for a team thing. And individually, I remember being. I was at a wedding. And yeah. we left the wedding to go and watch Donovan Bailey in Atlanta. There was a bunch of us in someone's basement, and you know where it was? It was Harold Ballard's cottage. Wow. Yeah, Harold Ballard's uh, <laughs> uh, second wife, uh, Yolanda McMillan, um, she inherited the cottage, the Ballard cottage up at uh, Thunder Beach. Okay. And so her son, Bill McMillan, got married to uh, my uh, ex-wife's friend. Wow. Uh, and we were at the wedding. 
And, and like, literally it was like, you know, we're looking at our watches. Well, what time does Donovan Bailey go? And like we, you know, dur- during the course of the wedding, not the ceremony, but it was like everybody ducked out sure. and went to, down to the basement and watched Donovan Bailey and, and ended up hitting our heads on the low ceiling down there when he won the oh, just meters. like you do here. It was very exciting. Yeah, it was great. Where does uh, Joe Carter rank? Wow, the Joe Carter one. See, I was there for the Joe Carter one, and I was there the year before when Dave Winfield doubled in the 11th and the Jays beat Atlanta in the World Series. Right. And they were the Joe Carter one from drama. You could not have a greater drama than the game, the World Series winning home run. Walk off. It had only happened once before in the history of Major League Baseball where a walk-off home run won the World Series. Game, this was game six. Yep. The only way it could have been more exciting was if it was game seven. But it was remarkable. And it happened at home at the Dome. And if you remember at the time, that Dome was filled every single game for like, I don't know, two, three straight, four straight years, whatever it was. Well, you see, could not get a open. ticket yeah. for that, for, you know, for the Jays in those days. It was remarkable. The drama of that was tremendous. So I'd put that up there too. There are lots of good ones. Lots of good ones. I mean, give us your vote if you want. Um, and everyone's different. I mean, there is no right or wrong answer. What about Marilyn Bell swimming across Lake Ontario? No, no, no. Okay. What about the Leafs winning the 67 Stanley Cup? Yeah, there but are. But why? Sure there How are is that some. a Canadian moment? I'm sure there are some. <laughs> I'm sure there are some. You're right. It's not a Canadian, not a Canadian moment. moment. It's a Leaf. Disqualified. Thing. All right. Um, so uh, Rafael Nadal, speaking of pretty good athletes, won his uh, first two sets over Daniil Medvedev and then had to hang on to win his 19th major title and his fourth U.S. Open in a thrilling five-setter. Most five-setters are thrilling. It's kind of, I kind of added that, but I didn't have to. When you go five sets, it should be a thriller. Uh, unless the fifth set goes like six love, which doesn't happen that often. Right. The scores were seven five six three five seven four six six four in four hours and forty nine minutes. Uh, Bianca beat Serena six three seven five in one hour and thirty nine minutes. Let's talk about equality. They, they sold both got the, the same, same amount of, tickets, of money. Bobby Riggs three point eight five million. <laughs> they each got three point eight five million U.S. dollars because they sold victory. the same number of tickets. There you go. But anyway, like I said, you got to play five sets if you're a man. Four hours and forty nine minutes. You only got to play three, or in this case, two if you sweep it. Um, an hour and thirty nine minutes. Anyway, her win over Serena at the Rogers Cup took twenty minutes before Serena. Uh, Nineteen minutes, I think it was before Serena retired. Nine, Nineteen minutes, and it's that's it. You win. Okay, but she had to earn this one in an hour and 39. Um, Rafi Nodell is 33 years of age. He's now just one major victory away from tying Roger Federer, who has 20 major victories. So, Mike, here's the question. If yes. Rafa overtakes Roger, can we still call Federer the GOAT? Yep. Why? Because of the clay courts in the French Open. Because this is my controversial hot take of the day, is that uh, he's padding, uh, he's fairly doing it, but if one of the majors is on clay... Mm. And Nadal's the best clay player in the history of the uh, world. We, we shouldn't give him credit for winning four No, he gets, he gets credit. Like, he's going to have the most Grand Slams when he uh, does eventually retire. But that does, not having the most Grand Slams does not make you the GOAT. Is Tiger Woods the GOAT or is Jack Nicklaus the GOAT? I didn't see Jack play, so it's tough for me. But you, what do you think? I think if you've got the most major championships, you you can lay claim to being the greatest. But there's a lot of quarterbacks time. with more rings than um, no, there is than uh, Tom Brady? Dan Marino. Like, Dan Marino, yeah, he has like, no rings. Right, exactly. So and he wasn't a, even it, close. It, so if you're a quarterback who gets a ring, you lead your team. There's a lot of one-offs quarterbacks who get their lead a team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, title. but it's the quarterback that, that has them, the most. That rings. doesn't make them better. No, that's a team sport, Marino. and you're right about that. that's a team sport. But if you in an individual sport like golf or tennis, if you have the most major championships, you are by default, the greatest of all time, except for Margaret Court in women's tennis because 
the major championships back in her day were these little club events in Australia that nobody would travel to unless you were from Australia. So if you look at her 24, quote unquote, major victories, right. the Australian Open in those days was like, you couldn't even get to Australia. <laughs> you would have to take a boat to right, Australia. Well, she was Australian, When right. she was winning and all she had to do was go around the corner to right. compete against a bunch of nobodies. <laughs> like, really? So to look at it that way, and Serena really is the GOAT, even though she has one less major championship. Well, there you go. You proved my point, is that uh, you can say that but uh, you Federer can't is a no, better tennis player than You can't compare the Nadal. French Open, which attracts all the great players in the world. But it's a to difference. The, uh, no, I'm just, I'm you talking can't compare about the it to that and the Australian okay, Open. Okay, but let me say this. 19 uh, Grand Slam what titles. What does the surface for- have to do with it? Everyone has to play on the same surface. I know, but it's not you, like he's it's like clay, a, it's not a clay like specialist. And who, well, what about a grass specialist? Federer. So how does, okay, I have to look at Federer. How no, 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 you're, that's an uneducated take. That's an uneducated, you're just trying to stir the pot. Okay. I, if he I, uh, wins, if Rafael Nadal wins more majors than Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal is the GOAT. If Novak Djokovic ends up winning at the end of his career more majors than, than Nadal or Federer, he's the GOAT. Now you can argue that you loved watching Federer play, or he should be the. But you, there can only be one. Go. It's a, it's greatest. A very simplistic, it's not greatest. Uh, surface approach. There's no such word as greatest. There's no greatest. It's greatest. You're, you're like a bean counter. All you see is that number. I see depth and the, beyond. And you've got it. Then the thing is, then you've got to come up with a good enough argument to say that Roger Federer is. All the right, hit me up Friday. I'll have yeah. a better argument. All right, fine. All right, let's go to baseball now. <laughs> baseball now. The Blue Jays, who were at once at one time, were the greatest team in baseball, yep. are showing their true colors as they play teams that are playoff bound. So the Jays have lost seven in a row to teams like Houston, Atlanta, and of course the Tampa Bay Rays, who just completed a four-game sweep of the Young Jays. Yesterday's final score: eight-three. Jacob Wagonspack, who I told you a long time ago is not a major league pitcher, he's just filling a spot. But a while ago, ooh, he had you know he gave up one hit in seven innings against the Dodgers. Everyone, ooh, Jacob Wagonspack is going to be our number one starter. He's not. No, he took the loss yesterday. He went four and a third innings, gave up six runs in the process. And remember, just a few games ago, he was like going to be like the superstar. You know, one hit the Dodgers over seven. Everyone's saying this guy is going to be part of the starting rotation for a long time. Ha! Since then, he's gotten hammered in three straight starts, giving up eleven earned runs in eleven innings. Folks, Jacob Wagonspack is not a major league starter. Maybe he's an opener. Maybe he's a long man in the bullpen like Sam Gavilio. A starter? No. And defensively, the Jays are at their worst at that stinking Tropicana field. If they didn't have to play any games at Tropicana field, they might be a pretty decent defensive team, especially in the outfield. But God, that, that place. And I've been there, and it's horrible. You can't pick the ball up. <laughs> now, if you play there all the time, like, like Kevin Kiermaier and these guys, for it's different. You know, you practice there, you play there, you learn what the roof is. But if you're a young outfielder like Teoscar Hernandez, it's like, what the hell? He looked terrible. They looked awful defensively, just awful. And that's what happens with young players. You, don't, you haven't had enough reps out there. You haven't seen enough balls flying up into that roof at the Tropicana Field to try to figure out where the ball's going to go. So that stinking Tropicana Field, I wish they would blow the place up. Get that team to Montreal already, although that means they'll play in the Olympic Stadium for a few years. Oh, Yves. <laughs> Jays are off today, then they host the Red Sox for three games, followed by the Yankees for three on the weekend. Plenty of seats available to watch the youngsters do their thing. Uh, Boston lost to the Yankees 10-5 yesterday and fired their general manager, Dave Dombrowski, because let's face it, they haven't won the World Series since 2018. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not going to make the playoffs this year. They are 17 and a half games of the yeah, back of the Yankees and eight games behind Oakland for the uh, second wildcard spot. So, so they tied the can to their general manager. So in a classic case of what have you done for me lately, they, they're the defending World Series champions. Wow. But if you can't be competitive against the Yankees, the hated Yankees, you're out the door, buddy. You're gone. What have you done for me lately? 2018 is ancient history. The Yankees. That's what it's like when a franchise wants to win the World Series. Correct. Not just make uh, you got revenue. It. 
to the shareholders. By the way, the Yankees had a club record yesterday with their 268th home run of the season, and there are still 18 games left. Geez, Mike, you think there's a juiced ball going on? Did you see what, that the AAA guys switched to the yeah. major league balls for 2019? Yes. And the, the number of home runs skyrocketed? Way up. It's gone up like uh, like almost 40%. So something's up. Yeah, yeah, that, the baseball. It's wound so <laughs> tightly or whatever. It's like you and I could probably hit home runs. Like, uh. like, there's guys that have like two career home runs and are hitting, like Eric Sogard, that are hitting like 10, 12 home runs this year. That ball is flying out. And, and let's face it, baseball has become a game that usually sees one of three results from a hitter. A strikeout, a walk, or a home run. The days of the double and the triple and the, you know, and the bunt and stuff like that are just going by the wayside. Everyone's swinging for the fences. That's why strikeouts are way, way up. Right. The Yankees, by the way, have 13 players who have hit 10 or more home runs this year. And if Austin Romines hit, hits one in the next 18 games, they'll have 14 guys with 10 or more homers. 268 homers as a team. Wow. Go back to the days of Ruth and Gehrig and... Not even close. Murderer's row. 268, and there's 18 games to go in the season. You, you you don't want to be facing the Yankees, especially at Yankee Stadium where that short right field porch, like anybody can hit a home run there. <laughs> you could hit a home run with a telephone pole. You could grab one and just step out of the stands and a canoe paddle. <laughs> Best story this week in baseball. Uh, do you know who Brandon Ortiz is, Mike? No. Brandon Ortiz is a young Miami Marlins fan who caught not one but two line drive foul balls at the game yesterday against the KC Royals. So picture this. Martin Prado's at the plate. He slashes one down, a line drive down the right field line, just down the line. It could be fair, but it's now kind of angling towards the stands. But it's a liner. And this kid, Ortiz, who looks to be about 12 or 13 years old, makes a backhanded snare in the first row, reaching out. So he's reaching out onto the field of play, but he's not interrupting. There's no way that the right fielder, Jorge Solar, could have gotten to the ball. So that's not fan interference. Or, I mean, you, that's reaching out into the field where you're not interfering with anybody. Right. So he makes this great backhanded catch. Later in the at-bat, Prado again, with a same hit, like a screaming liner down the right field line. And this kid, Ortiz, again, reaches out and makes like, a, like an even better catch the second time. And they go to Jorge Soler after the game, the Royals right fielder, and he says... He had the best view because he's chasing the ball down in the right field corner. It happened right in front of you. He says, it was right in front of me. It was incredible. This kid, two catches. There are people out there that have been in hundreds of games. They've right. never caught a foul ball. This kid makes two grabs deuce. Have you ever caught a foul ball as a fan? Yes, I have. I took one hop. It was at Olympic Stadium in Montreal. I took one hard hop off the concrete and jumped up, and I stuck my hand out, caught it. And the hand I caught it with, I wore a ring on at the time, and I'm going to tell you, my finger blew up. Wow. I couldn't get the ring off. It was painful as all hell. I had to cut the ring off because that ball ended up in my hand very quickly. And, and I, don't, I don't think it broke the bone, but there was a bruise there. And man, that hurt. And of course, you know, you hold the ball up, look, hoping the TV camera will catch a shot of you. There was no TV in those days. That game wasn't televised. So anyway, right. but this kid made two. He grabbed two of them. That was beautiful. Uh, Mike, I played golf this weekend. Guess where I played? Crosswind. Correct. And as you may recall, after shooting a season-best 81 uh, the week before last, I stumbled to a 90 a few days later. And then on Saturday, a solid 85 at crosswinds. Conditions were ideal. Pins were in a good spot. My buddy Terry showed me a new chipping technique, a bump and run with a 7-iron. Made a huge difference. Got up and down a couple of times. Uh, one other thing. I almost hit someone with my drive the other day on the 11th hole, the par 5 11th. Almost I, doesn't I, count. But here's the thing. There's a certain etiquette in golf, and that is you, you allow the group in front of you to get far enough away before you hit your tee shot because you don't want to hit into them, right? Now, there have been times, and I've had it happen to me, where 
the group behind you, there's always one person, not always, but sometimes there's someone who's in a hurry, who thinks that you should get moving, let's go already, and maybe if I hit my drive near you, you'll, you'll speed things up. And that had happened a while ago, where the group that was behind us, one of the fellows I was playing with, was a very good golfer and was waiting to try to get on the green in two on a par five, and it was about a 235-yard shot. And somebody in the group behind us thought, what's this guy waiting around for? Why doesn't he go? And he decides to yell from the tee at, the, at one of my playing partners, let's get going. You don't do stuff like that. You don't do that. That's bad etiquette, bad form. But right. what, we, what we certainly don't do is you don't hit your drive near these people. Anyway, I'm up on the 11th, and I see, and to me, they look like they're far, far away. My depth perception must have been off. The wind was behind us, and I tagged one. I yeah. tagged it. And as soon as I hit it, one of my playing partners says, you're going to hit them. And I'm like, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we're watching the ball land, and your perspective from 200 and some odd yards away, you can't tell how close they are. You right. see the cart, you see the golfers, but you, you know what I mean? I see the ball land. It bounces, it bounces again. And then I see them, a couple of them kind of turn around and wave their clubs and like, oh, jeez, <laughs> shit. I came close to hitting them. And I just felt awful. And then oh, on man. the next tee, I came right up, walked right up to them, and I went to apologize. Luckily, they recognized me. Oh, hey. And I'm like, and then I realized that what had happened was someone from another hole had sliced their drive onto the fairway, and it almost hit them like about a minute earlier. And they're thinking, we're getting it from all sides here. Right. Hey, did they recognize you from the course because you're a regular or be from TV? I didn't ask. I'd be, that would be my first question. And you know, How the I, hell do you recognize me? No, but I, yeah, I didn't ask because they, they could have known. They, you know, they might have heard my voice on the telephone greeting at Crosswinds. Uh, they, right. might, they might listen to the podcast and know that uh, Crosswinds is a sponsor. Because remember, when we were biking to the Raptors parade, yeah, I, remember that. I witnessed a guy I know. who was recognizing you. I think a lot of it's the voice. Mind you, I was on television for a number of years, so it's quite possible. You, know, you look familiar. Because I've gotten those looks. You know the look. I, here's the look, Mike. The look is they look at you a certain way, and one of two things. They either recognize you from TV or your fly is open. <laughs> it's one of those two kind of looks. Anyway, if you want to play a great golf course where people are super nice, go to crosswindsgolf.com, book your tee time online. Maybe I'll see you out there. I promise I won't hit into your group. Week one in the National Football League, and I mentioned after Thursday's Green Bay win over Chicago that I'd given up on the Bears but I'll never give up on my Buffalo Bills. I, I just, I'd never do it. I went to my first Buffalo Bills game in 1964 at the Rock Pile. Wow. Okay. That was a War Memorial Stadium. It's a terrible stadium in a terrible <laughs> part of Buffalo. Dangerous as all hell. And what happened was the players on both teams, but especially the visiting team, had to walk through the crowd to get to the field. Ooh. Had to walk with their equipment on through the crowd. Right. Like through the concession stands and everything. That's how poorly set up it was. Yeah, that's to get good. to the field. There was no security or whatever. You didn't want to take these guys on, but you could you could really hurl abuse at the opposing teams at War Memorial Stadium. So I was there for my first Bills game in 1964. They had Jack Kemp, Cookie Gilchrist, Albert Golden Wheels Dubinion, Pete Gogolak, the first soccer style kicker in in history of uh, football. Butch Bird, Tom Sestak, Ron McDole. These were my heroes. And the Buffalo Bills won the American Football League Championship. Remember, the AFL and NFL merged after Super Bowl III in 1969. They merged together because the AFL had great teams. And really, the Jets were a great team. Buffalo's a pretty good team. You know, you had the Houston Oilers. You had the Denver Broncos, New England Patriots, et cetera, et cetera. So they won the, NFL, the AFL Championship in 64. They won it again in 1965. And they have not won a title since 1965. Right. So that is a drought longer than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. And that's why they call the Bills... Fans, quote, long-suffering. 
long-suffering Bills fans. You've noticed that. Yes. You notice that little pre precursor prior to every time they talk about it, it's long-suffering Buffalo fans. Because they haven't won a playoff game in a long... Like how long has it been since they won a playoff Oh, it's game? been a while. But remember, they were in four straight Super Bowls. At least they made it to the final. But True. still, they have not won a title since 65. Yesterday against the New York Jets, it looked like another one of those days as the Bills coughed up the ball after a beautiful, great drive, their first drive of the game, downfield, they cough it up, and then they're trailing 16 to nothing before mounting a furious fourth-quarter comeback behind quarterback Josh Allen, and they beat the Jets 17-16. Wow. Fantastic. What a way to start the season for the Buffalo Bills. It's all downhill from here. Oh, don't say that. Don't <laughs> say that. Meanwhile, the New England Patriots did not have their latest acquisition receiver, Antonio Brown, in the lineup. What a surprise that was, eh? I mean, he says all these crazy things on social media, basically tells the team where to go, they release him, and then the New England Patriots go, hey, we're pretty good at reclamation projects. Right, and we, they are. We had Randy Moss. We got uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Josh Gordon. Uh, we'll give him a try. Well, sh- he didn't even play yesterday. He wasn't in the lineup, Antonio Brown. But the uh, Patriots beat the Steelers thirty-three to three. As seventy-two-year-old Tom Brady, sorry, he's forty-two. <laughs> he's forty-two. The guy's forty-two. I know that's insane. He's forty-two years old. Went twenty-four of thirty-six for three hundred and forty-one yards and three touchdowns in the lopsided victory. When Brown is activated, Antonio Brown, he will join Josh Gordon and Philip Dorsett as part of the best receiving core in the entire league. Just what the New England Patriots need: more talent. Just what they need: more talent. As if Brady doesn't have it good already. As if he doesn't have the best life. It's like, who do I? Have? Oh, you're. I, I'm going to throw to Antonio Brown. Like I could have a bad day. I could misfire on all my passes, and they would still all be caught. <laughs> Unbelievable. In soccer, TFC, that would be Toronto Football Club, beat Cincinnati, the worst team in the league, the worst team in the league by far, 5-1 on Saturday wow. in, in Cincinnati. And that puts uh, TFC in sixth place in the Eastern Conference, two points up on the New England uh, Revolution, and four up on the Montreal Impact. So in soccer, the top set in the MLS anyway, there was no international play this weekend. Uh, in the MLS, the top seven make the playoffs with the first place team in each conference getting a first round bye. Gotcha. Because a lot of people, I think, think it's the top eight because it's not. They, they think about hockey. Right. It's the top seven. So the top team, which is uh, New York City Football Club in the East, who the uh, Reds are playing on Wednesday in New right. York, they would get a bye. And then there would be three playoff series. And it's called uh, the knockout. It's the, like the knockout stage. You get one game. Right. So one game. It's not a best of series or anything like that. It's one game. And boom, off you go. So um, as it stands now, they're in sixth. They would play Atlanta. If the season were to end today, they would play Atlanta. How many Atlanta. games to go? I think there's five. Uh, I think they play still into October, don't they? Well, we, I mean, it's close, man. If you're two points up on New England, we got to play, uh, play, get they, points. I think, I'm pretty sure they play right through October. Because if I recall last year, the championship is like in November. It's around, it, it was it's a around cold the Great Cup. Isn't uh, it around Bebo. the Great Cup time? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it was like a week before because they added extra seats yeah, or yeah. something for the MLS final yeah. cup. Yeah, I remember this. So too. I, I'm close. thinking the I'm thinking the championships are in like November. Yes. So the season ends at sometime in October. And correct me if I'm wrong. Any of those of you listening or watching that uh, would be wonderful. But anyway, um, it's kind of been one of those. You know, yeah, if they start to win, we'll pay a little more attention to them. There hasn't been the same buzz about TFC, right? Like there was the last couple of years. No, I think once TFC won the MLS Cup, we we were we got there, and I think we all. We're going to like, we'll wait till there's something like similar. This might happen to the Raptors too. Like if the Raptors have like a pedestrian season next yeah, season. The only thing is, uh, and I think we've discussed this before, and if we haven't, let's bring it up now, is the way the, it's the way the team tracked. They made it to the final at home. They lost on penalty kicks. Right. So they had a reason the following year 
They had impetus. They had sure. motivation to not just make it to the final, but to win the championship. No, true. They need redemption. Kinda, there was I, a redemption right. story. And there. I kind of like that. I like that in sports. It should be that way. You really shouldn't come from nowhere out of the blue and win a championship, which is why I'm glad the Las Vegas Golden Knights didn't win the Stanley Cup last year because they... they Two years ago. Two years ago. Because they couldn't just... You couldn't just be an expansion team and come out and have a great season and then go all the way and win because it would it would cheapen the product of the National Hockey League. It would tell people, wait a minute, you're telling me we just put a bunch of guys together <laughs> and in one year we can win the Stanley Cup? So the progress, the progression should be... Okay, you make the playoffs your first year. That would be remarkable, just making the playoffs. Like, if you, ask the, if you ask them at the beginning of the year, what would your goals be as an expansion team? It would be, wow, if we could make the playoffs, that would right. be amazing. Amazing. We would be thrilled. If we could win a round of the playoffs, spectacular. But nobody in their right mind with an expansion team was going to say, well, we want to get to the Stanley Cup final. It just wasn't to be. So in the case, for example, had Bianca not beaten Serena, I, I would have been okay with it because – she would have had motivation for the next major. And she's 19. And she's 19. But, she, but that would have been, Bianca, you were 152nd in the world. You got, went all the way, you won two tournaments this year and went all the way to the U.S. Open final in hostile territory. Wow, what a year. Quite frankly, she still would have ended up being uh, a major candidate had she lost to Serena for the <laughs> trophy uh, uh, as Canada's uh, top athlete as voted by the Toronto Star, the former sports writer, the racist sports writer. <laughs> but... Um, but, it, but she won it, which was great. So that would be like the equivalent of had TFC in that first year won it. Had they won it, not lost to Seattle, I guess it was. on It was Seattle games. both years, yeah. Because what would they have done for an encore? And it leads to the question, what does is, what is Bianca do for an encore? Is she going to be the favorite at the Australian Open in January? Is she going to be the favorite at the French, Wimbledon? Like, what do you do for an encore? Where do you go after you've won a major? You've got to win another major and right. another major. So the progression was so... Rapid. The rise meteoric. was so meteoric that, and I hate to say this, her next result that that does not include a champion a victory is going to be a disappointment. Yeah, like if she goes out in the second round, we're all going to be if like, she, even if even if she loses in a final, it's going to be a disappointment because right. we expect her out of her victory yeah. over Serena. Our expectations have risen to the top here and i believe her expectations have as well because when sylvain bruno uh accepted the trophy the coach's trophy and he held it up backwards he said something to the effect that they said oh you're holding it backwards he says oh i've never done this before and then bianca said get used to it Uh you know that nice and they called her border they call her borderline cocky people got upset somebody somebody in one of the newspapers said she's borderline cocky and i'm that's good Yes, but Canadians have never been considered to be borderline <laughs> cocky. No Canadian has ever been borderline cocky. What? What do you mean? What's wrong with that? Is that is that a particular Canadian trait that just can't be that doesn't exist in our DNA? Oh, we there's no cockiness. You know, yesterday they interviewed Margaret Atwood on CBS this morning. She's got a new book coming out, you right. know, Handmaid's Tale. Massive success. Right. And they interviewed her. She lives in Pelee Island for most of the year. Her father was an entomologist, as a matter of fact. So. They send uh, one of their reporters, CBS, this morning to interview her. And the reporter says something to the effect of, uh, you must be very proud. And Margaret Atwood says, I'm Canadian. We don't do proud. And sort of just like that, she just sort of said, "All I'm a Canadian. We, we, us Canadians, we don't do that. We're not proud, which means, which means to say we're not cocky, which means to say we don't pat ourselves on the back, which means to say we're all Canadian. And as I mentioned on the last podcast, Bianca is more like uh, an American when it comes to swagger and cock, more maybe like a Romanian, but doesn't have that sort of Canadian 
Um, Although she under- did apologize. Understated. For, uh... Yes, she did apologize. <laughs> that is very Canadian. That's true. That's very Canadian. Right. But the other part of it, the copy, I know what you're saying. There's the a border, swagger there we're the, not used to seeing. Yeah, like who? Like who's got a swagger? Like we've talked about this before. Like who? Like who? Michael Jordan had that swagger. Right? Michael Jordan's an American. Yes, I and he grew yeah, up yeah. in an environment that. Yeah, uh, that, Serena that, had it. Right, that, has it? Has it for sure. Yeah. But they grew up in an environment where it was okay. It was like, show us your swagger. We grew up in an environment in Canada where, for example, if you lived in a gated community, people are going to thumb their nose at you and go, oh, what kind of a Canadian are you? You're not one of us. Do you know what I mean? Right. Whereas in the States, it's like, good for you. You live in a gated community. No, you're absolutely right. Good for you. You live in a gated. You've made it. You live in a gated community. You're not one of us. You're better than us. In Canada, it's like, hey, you're Canadian. You're one of us. You're one of us. You drive a beat up old Chevy. You live in the same house that you grew up in, right? right. You say hi to people and walk your dog in the same park You're that humble. the average person does. Yeah. You don't need a private entrance to a restaurant. You're Canadian. Well, that's slowly changing. And Bianca Andrescu is having a lot to do with that, I think. Exciting times. It is. That's it for episode number 132 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. And thanks to our great sponsor, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. And don't forget, join me on Sunday, September 15th at the Junction Craft Brewery in Toronto for the Toronto Card Show. I'll be there from 11 till 4 selling copies of my book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of. Autographed copies. Stop by, say hello. We'll talk some sports. We'll take some photos. Go to torontocardshow.com. Admission is free. Parking is free. You get a free beer. Tons of great vendors with all kinds of sports memorabilia to buy, sell, or trade. And I hope to see you there. And I'll be at Toronto Mike's Listener Party slash podcast on the 19th, is it? September 19th, 6 to 9 p.m. at Great Lakes Brewery. There'll be a lot of beer drinking going on in the Hebsey household. Uh. Hope to see you there as well. And as always, thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another exciting episode shortly. Until then, so long for now.